0: The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mans with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride. And of course, we're always happy to be working with Nathan Miller, our producer par excellence. He'll make sure we stay in our lane, as it were. Today, we're going to be visiting with our good buddy, Mark Green. Now, why today? Because it's a good time for us in these inflationary times to provide you with some news you can use. Mark Green of Cars Yeah fame recently parted with his beloved Orange Crush. There's a story there. And in the process, he discovered little-known insights into today's superheated automotive market. There are nuances. There is strategy to consider. and Mark learned a lot. Therefore, he has lots to share about the process of buying and selling cars in the midst of persistent inflation and pent-up demand. This is American Road Trip Talk. We'll get into all of that and take it for a spin right after this.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams and some happy days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital, alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. A word about a special, a Father's Day special. Use the code DADDAY. Write D-A-D-D-A-Y and save 15% on a gift subscription to American Road magazine the tool for creating a perfect road trip. Dad will enjoy planning his dream vacation with our quarterly magazine featuring pretty cool roadside attractions, hotels, eateries, historical sites, trip ideas, everything except the classic car he's dreaming of. Order today at www.amroad.net slash A-R-G-I-F-T. Mark Green is with us. Mark is the founder, producer, and host of Cars Yeah. As many of you know, Cars Yeah is a -a five-day-a-week podcast during which Mark talks with innovators and other luminaries of car culture. I think he's over 2,000 guests he's interviewed now. Wow. For Mark, there is great satisfaction to be had from inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green joins us again, probably from his redoubt in in Gig Harbor, Washington.
2: They're close by the sound. How are you doing, Mark? Gary, thank you for having me back. I'm doing great today. Awesome. Uh, sitting here in the Cars yeah headquarters, enjoying what we call liquid sunshine again here in the Pacific Northwest. The rain mm. is starting to fall. I'm doing fine. Thank you
0: beautiful and you're you're holding up okay after you parted ways albeit i'm i'm certain with some regret with your beloved orange crush as i said it in the introduction there's a story to be told there and i just wanted to lead with this mark i have heard from many a boat owner that there are two best days in a boat owner's life? The day that he or she buys the boat and the and the day that they actually sell it. And I always laugh at that. Two best days, you buy it and then you sell it. But does that hold true for car owners generally? Did it hold true for you?
2: Well, I would say no. It's a bit bittersweet, but I believe there's probably car owners who do part with their cars that are very happy to see them go. And those would be vehicles that maybe we're challenging with mechanics or always breaking down, or maybe they bought something and they realized they shouldn't and they were stuck with it, but that wasn't the case with my orange crush. I've had that car almost 13 years and, uh, if, we want, if you want, we can talk about some reasons why, but really, uh, no, it's a bit bittersweet. And I joke about this because the new owner, the new caretaker, I should say, we like to call old car people who have cars caretakers, has not picked the car up yet. So it's in my garage. It's like that girlfriend that you broke up with, and then she won't leave.
0: And so you keep her in the garage?
2: <laughs> well,
0: that it's might ridiculous. be the smart
2: thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or not.
0: <laughs> but tell us about the legend of the Orange Crush. What kind of auto are we discussing here, Mark?
2: Oh, yeah. Something near and dear to my heart. I am a Porsche file. I have loved Porsche since I was a little, little boy. I had a neighbor on my street who had a Porsche and used to give me rides. It was an old Porsche Speedster. And that's what started it for me, along with my dad's 49 MGTC. This car is a 1987. Porsche Turbo, known as the 930 model. It was really a 911 model with the 3. Well, in this case, 3.3 liter motor, but they were known as 930s. And they were called widowmakers back in the day. These were the supercars of the 70s and 80s, fastest car you could buy for the street. And they were uh, known as widowmakers because they had a, a tendency to do a little bit of oversteer if you throttled in a corner and the turbocharger kicked in. It had what's called turbo lag. So you'd be going really fast and all of a sudden the turbocharger would kick in and it would just boost all this power, bring the rear end around. If you weren't careful or you weren't skilled, you'd back the car into a wall or a tree or off a cliff. So thus the winner maker. But I'll tell you, if you're smart and you drive it right, it's a delightful car. And I've had 13 years of love with this car, Uh, but it was time to move forward. So yes, I let the orange crush as I fondly call it, uh, let go. And a lot of people who follow my podcast know about Orange Crush because I've talked about it so much.
0: Well, I certainly don't play in your league, Mark, but I will tell you that I have some empathy for you because I can recall that my favorite car, when including when I, I mean, we all love our first car that holds a special place. And for me, that was an old Delmont 88 there ed my buddies used to call it the gunboat but anyway <laughs> eventually i wanted to be a vw bug owner people had their love affairs with their bug and remembered those little cars so fondly i wanted to try it as well so i had for a period of about two and a half years i had a 1972 vw super beetle cool and it was a lot of fun as long as the vapor lock problem didn't (laughs) crop up again which it did every now and again very frustrating and yet when it was time for me to part company with the super beetle in favor of a new Toyota truck with a nice bed. And I got a bed liner for it because I thought I would have a need for that. And as I moved from Nevada to Colorado, it sure came in handy. I can remember all of that. And yet that spark, that that romance with an automobile, yes, me and my 72 Super Beetle still have this affinity and it's it's a really amazing experience to go through the process of finally saying, you know, common sense must prevail. Economics must prevail. And it's time to say goodbye to a car that I wish I could have kept forever.
2: Well, I understand. I had a 67 Carmen Ghia in high school. That was my poor man's Porsche. And I did everything to make that like a Porsche, uh, restored it, modified it, even painted it a Porsche color, uh, so that I felt like I was in one of those, but, uh, I tell you, the orange crush was great and I had a lot of great memories, but you think of it this way. And we'll mention somebody coming up here, Rafi, who helped me sell my vehicle. Is there's a time where you know you've done everything that you want to do with a vehicle, and it's time to let that vehicle go and create memories for someone else. And that's when you know it's time to sell it. So there you go. Now it might be that you've finally thrown the last wrench at it and you couldn't fix it and you want to let it go, but for me, I've used and enjoyed that car for many years, driven it a lot. Um, my kids have driven in it. My new grandson got to go, well, sit in it. I couldn't give him a ride because a car seat wouldn't fit in that thing. But I sent you, I think, a great picture of a uh, little gunner in that vehicle. So, yes, it was time to let it go. But there's a lot of interesting things going on in the car market right now, aren't there?
0: Oh, most definitely. and. What is not market-driven? You know, it's if it's in the world of commerce, you're going to be dealing with market forces and that ugly I-word inflation is with us and probably will be for a while, unfortunately. So maybe it's time for people to brush up on their negotiating skills to make (laughs) sure that you're not taken advantage of and you want to be an honest person in making any sort of deal. I'm the kind of guy, when I get rid of a car, I will have a stack of maintenance going back the maintenance records going back to the time before I owned it in order to present that to the new owner. And it just makes me feel better that they know where the car has been, what it has been through and what it's capable of being at when they're behind the wheel, what it's right. capable of doing for them. And that involves nuance and strategy, always market forces, as we're saying, what did you learn from whom? that allowed you to feel good about this sale and particularly the kinds of skills or insights that you can use
2: whenever you are dealing in the car world. Well, I embarked on this adventure having purchased things online. In fact, I bought this car on eBay back when I originally found it. Wow. But I chose to inquire with a lot of experts in the field. I interviewed lots of experts in the field, specifically the Porsche field. And all of them pointed me towards one point, and that was Bring a Trailer, which is a website known as BAT or Bring a Trailer that's been around for some time. I've had Randy Nonnenberg, one of the co-founders on my show twice now. He was a very early guest, number 43 or 48, I think. And he was just recently on the show the day that my car went live on his website. Everybody said that this is a site that had has lots of eyes on it. And there's lots of people going there. It's got huge credibility, safety, all of these things. But in addition to posting it on Bring a Trailer, I did something very smart. I reached out to another past guest who's been on my show, Rafi Menazian. Rafi is a car designer, professor. He's a Concord judge. He does valuations for people. He advises people on their collections. Rafi connected me with so much knowledge on how to do this, and he managed the entire sale. It removed me and my emotion from the process because we can get emotional about our cars as car people. And he did everything for me. He he charges a fee, but he comes in, he looks at the car, he talks with you, and more importantly, he listens to you about why you're selling the car, what you expect to get for it. He offers advice on what the realistic value is because all of us think our cars are worth more than they maybe are, or we might not realize that they're a very valuable car and more money could be uh, gotten for them. So Rafi was a huge help. And during the process, he basically left, I shouldn't say left me out. He he asked me to stay out of the fray because on Bring a Trailer, you can go in there and talk. And a lot of people will ask questions. So Rafi educates himself about the car, about the market, about everything. I tell him stories. And he answers everything. And it keeps me out. It's like when you sell a house. They ask you to remove all your family pictures from the home because that new buyer wants to envision themselves in that home or in your car. They don't want to hear the stories you want to share of your fun in the car. They want to imagine their fun in the car. So that decision in and of itself, bring a trailer and Rafi were fantastic. And for anybody that wants to reach out to him, he's been a guest on my show. He's coming back next week as a guest on my show, and you can access him that way on the karja yeah website. So uh, those were two really key-minded things that I believe helped get me a very top dollar. Now, it didn't hurt that I had a, a very... Had? Did I say had? Oh my gosh. Now my heart's going Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> I had a very, very but I call a unicorn car. One of only three ever painted in this color. It was all original and it had fairly low miles for the the car's age. And it had a wonderful story behind it. I had the complete story going back to the original man who sold the car. And during the process, uh, his son, the man who owned the dealership, who bought my car or ordered my car and originally sold it, reached out to me to talk to me. So I'm friends with him now. I mean, this this whole car world thing is just really, really wonderful. And the car will be living. Turns out the winner winning bidder is local. So I have some visitation rights. I can go visit the old gal once in a while. Now, that's some pretty tall negotiating there, Mark. That's great. <laughs> well, Rafi is the man. He's the one that that got me through it. No doubt I would have said something silly or goofy, um, but he is very straightforward. Everything was open, very clear. All the truths were out there because when you have an old car, in my case, mine belonged to somebody before me, you might not know all the history. So you really need to get all your ducks in a row because the last thing you want to do, and especially for me and my credibility of my podcast, is sell something that, Turns out not to be how you represented that. That's the worst thing that you want to do when you sell a car, right? Oh, well, now you're going to tease a story out of me, Mark. Okay. I
0: have a cousin who drove around a big Cadillac Eldorado and he had it for years and years. And, um, I guess he got the Cadillac and the divorce or whatever the story was there behind it. it was it was kind of a surprise because he loved this Cadillac so much that he actually sold it. So my cousin sells his Cadillac. Guy picks it up, proud new owner, drives it home, halfway home on the freeway, the engine catches fire.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, so uh,
0: one quick refund later. <laughs> Yes. My cousin was back behind the wheel of that Cadillac, probably as they towed it to a garage somewhere. And I don't know what ultimately happened to that car, but it illustrates your point rather graphically. Yeah. Now you mentioned houses and I am certain it would maybe apply to a boat and I'm certain to a car as well, a car, a truck, a motorcycle, you name it. That part about making sure that the new owner or the prospective owner can identify with, in this case, the car, a vehicle. If, if you're selling a home there, and you told me this as we were setting up this interview, and I said, we've got to talk about this on air. But Mark, if someone comes into your home and they see the pictures of you and your kids and your grandkids and the trip to Yosemite and all this kind of thing, that's still your home. And so you were advised to get that stuff out of there. I mean, you know where you're going to put those those treasured pictures. You just get them out of the way so that you can start to convert that home in the consciousness of the prospective buyer. And they begin mentally to take ownership before they sign the
2: contract. I imagine so, too, with cars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You want that new owner to envision themselves in your vehicle and having fun like you've had fun. So again, when you hire somebody to help you sell a car, you you take yourself out of the picture and they manage everything from beginning to end. I didn't have to do hardly anything. I mean, Rafi came down, took pictures of my car. We did videos, asked me questions. I provided him with some photos. He took a lot of the photos, most of the photos. Again, it takes you out just like hiring a real estate expert to sell your house and place that person there. And, you know, there's so many great online options right now for people. When you think about buying cars, it used to be you'd drive down to your dealership and the man with the plastic tie would come out and say, what does it take to get this car in your garage today? And, you know, they strong armed you and the whole process is really not very fun, now you can go online, you can educate yourself, many people going into a dealership, if they still even do that, no more than the salesperson because they've studied that particular vehicle. But there's auction houses now. When you think about Barrett-Jackson, RM Sotheby's Gooding & Company, Mecham, Bonhams, there's so many that are selling vehicles for people and they have all these services now so that you don't have to do all the work. They do all the work. And they became the or become the agent in the middle, like Rafi, or if you hire uh, someone to sell your home, a, a licensed real estate agent. And they handle all the legal parts, too. So they're very careful to not allow you to say things that might get you in trouble later. So those types of things are great. There's easy financing now online. There's fast, reliable, safe nationwide shipping. Uh, it's so easy to buy a car now, but you got to be able to find a car. And the supply and demand issues have de- definitely driven up cost. And in that case, a lot of people are going to collect their cars because they feel like, well, If I'm going to put my money somewhere, the stock market's pretty iffy right now. Maybe I put it in a car that will bring back dreams. It'll enable me to go out and be with like-minded people. And perhaps maybe it will at least retain its value. But if I'm fortunate, it might go up in value. And later when I'm ready to part with it, I can let it go and move on. So there's a lot of advantages here. And you know what? COVID, I think, accelerated all this. It gave more people more time to sit home and think about what makes them happy and they got online and they started seeing all these things and how easy it was to find a great car. Uh, and there you go. The market is supply and demand driven and try to go buy a new car today. It's not very easy. So there's a lot of things that have happened with COVID that have created a market that has made it very easy for people to go out and find the car of their dreams. And, you know, because of what you do, we talk about cars, they bring back memories, they bring people together and even during COVID, when you couldn't go do things, you could still get in your car and go for a drive, go for an American road trip. And you didn't have to worry about getting COVID because you're in the safety of your own car. So there's a a lot of advantages here. And the market now with the internet has just opened up the world to all of us. So yes, uh, the orange crush will depart. In fact, they were going to come and get it today, but it's raining and the new owner does not want to drive it in the rain. I went, all right, I sold it to the right guy because I don't drive in the rain either. So they'll come and get it sometime next week. So that old girlfriend's still in the garage for a while.
0: When it comes to making these deals... I'd love to get your opinion, Mark, and any experience you might have, though. I don't see you being the kind of guy that's go- going to walk onto a lot where they gleefully advertise the no dicker sticker. <laughs> I always thought that's about the worst kind of negotiating or car <laughs> shopping you can do because what's going to happen is they'll tell you this is the price. It's right. like a fixed price menu here. This is what you're getting. This is how much it costs. And when you have a trade-in, if they take it at all, they're a smart salesman will immediately begin to lower your expectations by pointing out that, well, it certainly needs a paint job and probably (laughs) a new set of tires. And how'd you get that dent in there? And they will do that so that you realize, oh, I'm not going to get as much as I thought, which is exactly the way they want you to think.
2: They have all the leverage, don't you believe? Well, they do. But you know what? we as consumers have massive leverage now that we've never had before. You can go on to YouTube and you can find a whole host of people who are ex-car salesmen who will teach you on YouTube how to properly negotiate a car, how not to fall into all the traps and all the tricks. And so that, as I said earlier, you can go on being more educated than that salesperson. And look, everybody, a sales person or a car dealership, they need to make a certain margin. I mean, they've got to pay for that nice building and they've got to pay their people so they can eat food at night and go home to a house. But when you have information, you're armed with that, you can protect yourself and your wallet and you have to be willing to do this. And this is where going back to bring a trailer or auction sites, you have to set your price going in and you cannot deviate. Be willing to walk out the door or be willing online to say, nope, that's too expensive. I'll shop elsewhere. And those words in and of themselves will help. But when you're selling a car in an online auction, you get the frenzy of a bunch of people wanting to buy your car. In the case of my orange crush, at the very end, there were a couple people, two guys that really wanted it. And the price kept kind of ticking up and ticking up. So that's what you want. Those two guys. The only thing that I could have done better was Served beer to everybody watching. Mm. So more people would go on and bid like they do at a live auction. But uh, yeah, you, you need to arm yourself and get very educated. But it's so easy today. And that's how you can protect your wallet and get know that you got a really good deal. And you get the kind of car you want. And they don't talk you into that other red car that's sitting over there that nobody's wanted and they need to unload. Thank you for
0: saying that, Mark, because there is an experiment I would like to try the next time I'm in the car market. I would love to go on to a lot and let's say I have my eye on a lovely blue sedan and okay. it's a recent vintage not brand new it's you know maybe 4 or 5 years old there but it certainly looks good to me. I wonder what kind of experience it would be and actually I'm I'm asking what kind of success would I have were I to go on the lot and just slyly See what I have driven past, maybe a dozen times, that blue sedan, and yet go to the white SUV <laughs> and talk to the salesman with avid interest. And we're talking tricks of the trade, folks. They're talk about this car. And, oh, I, I don't think I can. Aff- I can't do that deal. That's. Do I really need this much car? I mean, no. I, I'm sorry, I, I probably can't swing the deal on that. That's a little too rich for my blood. What do you have that's a bit more modestly priced? And I would know that uh, it's more modestly priced because I checked it out, including online. And you, you said, well, what about this, this gray truck over here? Well, you've got the old Greenbrier station wagon. Ah, that's, uh, that's not my style. What else you got? And you let the salesman guide you to the blue sedan you really want so that it becomes, in his mind, if you're good at what you're doing, <laughs> it becomes your fallback. And he wants to make a deal particularly if it's near the end of the month. And so if you go and you say, well, this isn't too hard on the eyes, this blue sedan, that's the car you want. You just don't want to pay top dollar. There's a lot of this slipperiness that goes on and let's face it, it can become a two-way exchange
2: on that basis. Well, yes. And this is where you need to educate yourself. And I would encourage you, and I've I've watched a lot of these YouTube videos of people who really know how the inside working of a car dealership works so that you know, when they say certain things, what they're trying to do. And there's certainly a lot of those things uh, that happen in a car dealership. I'm not saying it's all bad. It probably is not. It's been a long time, but, you know, creating a relationship with somebody too is important. The last cars that I purchased new, I bought from a dealership local and I know the salesman. He's been there for 25 years. So you feel safe. And so it's education. And uh, yeah, if you're going to try to outsmart a car salesman, uh, good luck with that without any education because they know what they're doing. You know, they've been doing this. They're professionals. So there you go. And they may have tried to
0: sell that very car that you're interested in just the day before or the day before that, they know their inventory. If they don't, they're not going to go very far in that business. So yeah. you must educate yourself if you don't want to wind up holding the short end of the
2: stick. Yeah, absolutely. And right now, finding cars is hard. There's very low inventory doing due to the supply chain challenges that are going on and used car prices are up about, well, I just heard this morning, over 40%. So wow. if you want to sell a car, now might be a good time. But if you got to buy another one, don't forget that.
0: Mark Green, always glad to have you with us. Where will people find you? Cars, yeah. Cars, Five days a week. How does that work? People can go onto YouTube, go to
2: the website. How do they touch base? You can go to my website. You can go to any mobile app device for podcasting. They all have them, your tablet, your phone. Just click or type in Cars Yeah Podcast. You can subscribe. My shows will come to you every day. I'm on all the social media channels, Cars Yeah. And again, if you want to reach out to my good friend Rafi, who helped me, just go to the Cars Yeah website, click the search bar, type in his first name. He's the only Rafi, R-A-F-F-I, and you'll find him right there. And his show's coming up next week. That's how you find Cars Yeah.
0: Tune in, everybody. Thank you so much. Mark, we'll do this again. Thank you. This has been great. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky representative co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.